It's a potential Christmas buying crisis that started to pepper the headlines. It was a bit of a surprise to us at first as we all emerged from the COVID quarantine cocoons and we all want to get back into our groove of normal life and that includes getting. But as we tried to assume what we were used to, we found that stock was slim and demand was high. I'm not sure if you've noticed a lot, but new car lots are empty and real estate housing is in high demand. I filled up my vehicles and without a doubt, <clears throat> demand must be high because the cost is too and it's frustrating. And, but the reality is, is that we are experiencing a shortfall. They say that empty shelves and expensive gifts could diminish the season of giving due to a shortage in supply. And could it be that this year we actually maybe learn the difference between a want and the need? I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. But starting at the manufacturing level, many businesses often operate on a hair trigger or on-demand principle. And they don't keep a lot in stock because that just means that they have to store the excess product and Manufacturers don't want to spend money on storage facilities. They'd rather just respond. But when the pandemic came as suddenly as it did, there was no time to react or respond. So in the midst of understaffed factories that couldn't produce what people needed and large manufacturers didn't have reserve supplies because they haven't been designed to operate that way, there became the shortfall. People began to impulse buy. I'll remind you of toilet paper. You can get on my grid with me this morning for a minute. Industry consolidation also contributes to the supply chain choke points. If only one company produces computer chips, for example, there aren't alternatives to draw on when the chip factory is closed. And many factories have been in different stages of pandemic responses, and they continue to be uh, in these different varying levels of activity. And uh, depending on what the vaccination rates are like, or depending on what the response to uh, the, the, the pandemic has been, it can adjust for different places that we usually rely on for supply around our world. I'll give you an example, particularly China. They were able to manufacture and ship necessary equipment like personal protective gear. And those products were shipped in large containers to lots of places that don't ordinarily import goods from China. And, and in response, nor do they export goods back to China. So they get these large containers full of personal protective equipment and the container then sits empty in their locale. When we may need that container to ship goods that we are used to uh, needing in our world. So <clears throat> in the midst of this global shortage or maybe misplacement, the costs of goods rise by tens of thousands of dollars and then that cost is passed on to the consumer and we're not trying to do an economics class this morning but maybe it'll help you all understand or maybe it won't but in the midst of all that jibber jabber about economics there was a statement that rang true to me it was amanda mall she writes for the atlantic she wrote this it's a question of rethinking our lifestyles as consumers and how are our ability and how our ability and desire to buy affects the rest of the world affects what we do here 
she, she connected the dots and said that what we do here has an impact and an effect on the rest of the world. The world. Remember? Remember the world? It's easy for us to forget about the world when we face uh, personal struggles and personal challenges. And, and we're so uh, impacted on a local level. But somebody needs to step back and take a look at the big picture and remind us it's not all about us. It is about our world. The idea, the sheer idea that our imprint can impact the world. What about the world? I think you may know where we're heading this morning. I, I've come with a motive to move our attention from us to the world. We aren't as unique as we think. We all need a reminder of the world over and over and over again. It's missions conference weekend, so it's natural that we would need that reminder that it's more than just me today. It's about more than just my family, and it's more than, it's more than just my church or my community. It's more than my city. It's about a world that desperately needs what we have. We have got a message that our world needs, and, and if you take a look around and you read headlines or you just take a look at what's happening in the news, if you realize and you know what's happening in our world, you know that there is a world full of need. There is a world without doubt that has a lack. It's at a loss of what to do. It doesn't know where to turn. It's looking to economists. It's looking to, to people that can, that can step up and they seem to be smart. It's, it's not government that's going to answer the lack in life lives today. I, I just came with one more time the simple solution that Jesus is the answer that our world needs. In a world that's full of need, our God is still the supply. It may have been a woman at a well that didn't know that she was drawing water for the last time for her weary soul, but he told her, I've got something that if you just drink of this water, you will never thirst again. There is still water at the well that some don't know anything about. And our responsibility as the church in 2021 is to let the world know we've got the answer to your need. There is a supply to what you're standing in need of today. It's Missions Conference weekend. I, I found it both interesting and alarming that a recent Barna study conducted of the North American churches, they were... Given the question about missions, social justice, Bible translation, and other aspects of spreading the gospel around the world, it was a simple question that many of us probably in the room, maybe we know an answer to. They were asked if they had previously, listen, heard of the Great Commission. Have you heard of the Great Commission? Barna study revealed that more than half of the churchgoers that were polled responded. 51% responded that they did not know what this term was. They didn't know what the Great Commission was. And, and maybe that would, it wouldn't be so bad if the rest of the, the people, 49%, knew what the Great Commission was. But out of the remainder of people, the proportion was low that they had an idea about what the Great Commission was. 17% could articulate it themselves. However, there were uh, only one in four that just said, ah, oh, well, it, it kind of rings a bell. Six percent of churchgoers simply were not sure that they had ever heard of that term before. It's alarming. It's alarming because you will never assist in meeting a need that you don't know is there. 
You will never help if you don't know that help is required. You will never hear the call if your ear is dim. I'm thankful for pastor preaching to us about eyes to see and ears to hear. What he's talking to us about in our midweek service. But if there was something that we could do this morning, I wonder if we could open our ear and hear the Macedonian call that's coming in the room this morning. There is a cry about missions that God is wanting to release in a church. And it's shocking if 51% of that may be the, the Christendom at large, but it can creep into our Pentecostal world as well. We have got to know that this is about more than just us today. It is about the Great Commission. We will never assist in meeting a need that we don't know is there. Matthew 28 and 18, it was Jesus' words. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There was this implication that the call wouldn't let them stay local. He said, I'm going to be with you until the end of the world. And I know I'm a local pastor and there are missionaries in the room that probably could preach this better, but I ask God to lay burden on us this morning. I ask God to challenge us today to look beyond. I'm grateful for what God has done in this room. I'm, I'm thankful, but God, show us a mission field and show us a world that is full of need today because we need to know about the need before we can respond to that need. In order for mission to succeed, for a great commission to continue, there must be at least three things. It was Simon Sinek that I, I read about these three things that he spoke about. He said, you have to have a just cause if it's going to continue. He said, you, you have to be willing to sacrifice for what you believe in. If anything is going to last beyond the next week, the next month, the next year, if anything is going to last, I'll just put it this way, until Jesus comes, there has got to be a just cause. And a just cause is a cause that you are willing to sacrifice for. Simon Sinek made these three points. He said, number one, it must be resilient. It's got to be durable. It's got to sustain cultural and political challenge. It's got to be able to be resilient. Number two, it must be inclusive. How you communicate the need. It can't be isolated. It can't be directed. It's got to be an open invitation. There must be inclusion for everybody in the vision, the just cause that you have. And number three, he said it must be service-oriented. You cannot be the benefactor of a mission that succeeds. The mission has got to be about something bigger than you. The primary benefit has got to go to somebody other than itself. Resilience. I can speak confidently that this mission that Jesus gave the church is resilient. Maybe Dottie Rambo sang it best. She said it's the old ship of Zion. It's the hope for the lost and dying. It's a soul-saving station. It's the tower of salvation. It's the church triumphant, O oh Lord. And it's built by the hand of the Lord. It's been through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. 
It's been through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it. It's been fed to the lions, but the lions couldn't eat it. Fought a lot of wars, but never been defeated. It's the church triumphant, O Lord, and it's built by the hand of the Lord. I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation that's still here when this thing is all done. It's built on a rock. It's got a firm foundation. It's been through the flood, and it's been through the fire. But one of these days, this church is going to move up higher. It's the church triumphant, O Lord, and it's built by the hand of the Lord. As long as the church is committed to the Great Commission, we have the promise that it's going to be resilient. Nothing is going to be able to stop the purpose and the power of the church if we maintain our focus on the Great Commission. Our world needs a Great Commission church today. Our world needs that kind of church. Our world needs a mission that's inclusive. I, I'll just put it in Jesus' words. Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. I, I was, my mask is just a mess this morning. We began to sing, I want to be a willing vessel. And then, send me. And I'm just... With all of this message sitting in my spirit, it's just, it's one of those times where you're ready to get the moving trucker, put the garage sale sign out because the world needs what we've got. I'm grateful for a great church, but there is a great commission that compels us to go into all the world. I, I'm thankful for every one of you. I'm privileged to serve God with all of you, but there is a world that desperately go ye into all the world. There are no exclusions. There's nobody left out. There is a responsibility that we have to make sure that this message, this mission goes into all the world. Nobody excluded. Every border has got to be passed over. Every nation has got to be reached every come on every pulpit has got to have a preacher that's willing to declare the gospel that can transform lives and change worlds a, a gospel that can turn a family around a, a gospel that can turn a community around a gospel that can turn our world around that is what God is looking for and it's just come on let it settle in our spirit but we need we need to be reminded about that commission, the Great Commission. It commits, it, 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 it de demands a commitment in our spirit to go. To get Peter out of Joppa, that's the current Tel Aviv, to Caesarea, the Palestine, was 65 kilometers away. It was a 65-kilometer journey. It's like, it's like us going from here to Nakwick. God bless you, Brandon. 65 kilometers, 65, remember this is the New Testament church. This is Peter, this is Peter the disciple who has been restored by the power of grace. This is Peter the upper room preacher of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That Peter, anybody know that Peter? Anybody re remember that Peter, the Peter who preached Pentecost? Peter, one of the 11 disciples who saw Christ crucified and buried him in a borrowed tomb and witnessed the stone that was rolled away and grave clothes that were folded. That, that Peter, Peter who was one of the 11 disciples who went to the Galilean mountaintop and saw that crucified 
Christ, now post-resurrection, glorious Christ, and heard him say with his own ears, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That Peter, who heard all that and experienced all that, that Peter settled in the seaside city of Joppa. That Peter hung his hat with Simon the Tanner. And he decided that that was where he was going to hang out. He, it was his security blanket. He could see the fishing boats. The old fisherman. The old fisherman Pete. He could be comfortable in this locale because the sea was right there. The boats were right there. The nets were right there. If things get a little bit rough, I've got the security blanket of the sea right there. I, I can just walk out the door, head down to the ocean front, catch the next ship heading out, and I can be, a, I can be on my way. But that isn't what God intended for Peter. And so God, God has to orchestrate a supernatural event to get Peter's attention, to get him to come back to the purpose of the Great Commission. So Peter's hungry, like some of you are. And he's preparing, uh, people are preparing a meal for him. And so he's waiting on the rooftop for his special fried rice and some chicken balls and sweet and sour sauce. He's got the uh, kitchen's cooking, and, uh, and the Bible says that he falls into a trance. While he's in that trance, there's a sheet, four corners are lowered down, and on that sheet, it's full of unclean animals, and there's a voice that commands Peter, rise, kill, and eat, and Peter refuses, and the voice comes again and declares, what God hath cleansed, that call thou. Call not thou uncommon. And that would be impact enough, but it doesn't just happen one time. Scripture tells us that this happens three times. And three times this happens. Rise, kill, and eat. Peter refuses. Oh, I can't. I've never eaten that in my life. I've, I'm not touching that unclean animal. If this is a test, I'm passing the test. Three times. Three times it happens. The voice comes, what God hath cleansed that call. Not thou, common. Well, isn't this a, an exclusive? No, this is Peter. You missed it. You preached it, but you missed it. This is an inclusive message. Everyone needs this. There's a world full of need, but it's, you've got what it needs. You've got it. Peter, you've got it. There's, there's a God of supply that's resting in your spirit. And here you are at the, the seaside shop of Simon the Tanner. And, and you've just kind of settled in. But God is calling you, Peter. And so while Peter is pondering, God has orchestrated this entire event. While, while Peter is pondering, while, while this has been happening on this side, on the other side, Cornelius, his prayers have been heard. And on Cornelius' side, God has responded, and angels come, and he said, listen, I, wa I want you to send men. You're going to find um, Simon Peter. You're going to find him with Simon the Tanner. And so Cornelius sends two soldiers and a servant, and they go. And these three men, God chronologically times it. God, God knows what he's doing. 
God chronologically times it so at this point, while dinner's being prepared and, and Peter has just had this vision of a sheet that's let, been let down, while Peter is pondering what's going on in his world, these three, these three men are now knocking on the door. And they're seeking Simon Peter because he's got what they need. And he's been exclusive. He's, he said, well, this is for Jerusalem. Now, he preached about Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. But, but he, was, uh, he was pretty content to leave it right here close to home. Let's, let's leave it right here. Joppa is a great little town. Let's leave the message right here. But God was saying that's not good enough because the great commission is greater. It's greater than the challenge. It's greater than the struggle. The great commission is calling you to go out beyond the borders of these walls, Peter. And preach this message to the world that needs it. And while Peter is pondering, the men are knocking. And the voice comes to Peter and it says, three men seek thee. While Peter's trying to calculate what God is communicating. While he's trying to wrap his head around the most fundamental, primary, elementary responsibility of the church. God has orchestrated this event so that these men come in this moment. Could it be that, like Peter, even this great missions church needs a reminder of the responsibility that we have to the Great Commission? Could it be that God is knocking on our door this morning? And that we think that we're here by our own accord because we set our own alarm clocks and we got one more hour sleep? Still amazed that people don't come an hour early, but they always seem to miss it on the hour late part. <laughs> but if this is what God had to do to get Peter out of the seaside shanty of Simon the Tanner, then what does God have to do with us sometimes? Because while the Pentecostals are procrastinating, Paul is being knocked off his donkey on the Damascus Road. God's got a plan to ensure that the gospel will be preached in all the world. And we know the story. Peter goes and Cornelius and his household is saved. And God does a work of revival. And, and it doesn't end. God continues that miracle. But at the same time, the gospel is opened to the broader world because Peter may have been a little hesitant, but Paul, he's the impulsive guy. He's the guy that would be moving like I was this morning when he couldn't sing. God's got a plan to ensure that the gospel will be preached in all the world, but it's up to us to determine whether we want to be a part of it. Mr. Sinek's third point was the mission must be service-oriented. There's always a benefactor and a contributor. The primary benefit has to go to somebody other than yourself. You see, Paul, God could see that in Paul's spirit, there was a missionary heart. Maybe I'm more like Peter. Brother Nick, you're more like Paul. You just get up and go. But God needs all of us to ensure that a world that's full of need meets the God full of supply. You see, Paul got busy forging a brand new missions mentality on the New Testament church. 
in order for a world to be reached. The DNA of preaching the gospel to more than just us had to be ingrained in the fledgling church. And our, our cause to pause this morning is this question. Could it be that it's a struggle because the goal requires a gift today? I thank God that the fellowship that we're a part of, the mission statement, the mantra, communicates clearly the greatest responsibility that we have is to create a conduit from the established North American churches to establish churches around the world. That what we do, you may not see it, but in the supernatural, we build a pipeline. There are lots of talk about pipelines. But we become the spiritual pipeline, that, that, con, that conduit that the Great Commission can flow to, through to a world in need. You see, we know the God of great supply today. But there is a world that's full of need. And God is looking to the church to become the conduit to flow through to meet the need. We are here ensure that the local church is growing. That we are here growing the established church. That's why we do what we do. That's why we that's why we that's why we have OCC. That's why we reach into the communities beyond. That's why we have an online webcast because we want the message to be beyond here. That's why we are growing the established church but, church, but we are here to ensure that we are going to establish churches. And I'm grateful for the fellowship that we're a part of, that that is one of the mandates. That's the mission statement is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. That is the, the, the mission statement of this fellowship of ministers that we're privileged to be a part of. You can go ahead and clap your hands because we can be grateful to be a part of that, that we are grateful. So sometimes the question arises, well, what is the difference between vision and mission? And I've just, I, I, I've got the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know because it's difficult to identify which is what because they're so intertwined. Vision demands mission, but mission demands vision. And, and you can't kind of have one without the other. But here's what I do know. Without a vision, the people perish. And if we have no vision, then there will be no mission. And so in order for us to maintain vision, in order for us to keep from perishing, then the church has got to embrace the mission. We can't just sit here and embrace what we've got. We have got to embrace the greater picture of the Great Commission. We have got to embrace that our whole world needs what we've got. Our whole world that's full of need needs the God of supply to flow into their lives. We need this message of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to flow into hearts, to trans transform lives. We can come back to the music this morning. We have a vision of supporting the North American and global missionaries who preach the gospel truth. We do. CCC does. Thank you for that. Thank you for embracing that with us. It's the great commission that propels Paul on these on his missionary journeys. Paul is the New Testament missionary. He continues four journeys in spite of great 
adversity. He continues in spite of interpersonal conflicts. He continues in spite of shipwrecks. He continues in the face of adversaries. And he continues because there is this great commission that's lodged in his spirit. He can't quit. He has got to go and complete the great commission. And it's this verse that I wrote in my notes a few weeks ago now. Philippians 4.19, you can quote it with me. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And whenever we've got a want, we pin it on the fridge. My God shall supply. Woo. We feel it, man, we feel it in our spirit. And without a doubt, that's what we're preaching about. We're preaching about the God of supply. God shall supply all your need. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a God with infinite ability in a world with infinite need. But the conduit between those two things is you and I. The conduit between those two things is people that pause and put their knees in the carpet and begin to pray that God would cover our missionaries and pray that God would be a light in the midst of darkness. Pray. Come on. Those, those, we got people that pray and we got people that give and we got people that go. Brother Nick. We got people that, that see the need and sense the need and they, that we've got, we've got those people. We've got that. A world of need with the God of supply. We need to connect that. But, but what kind of got my attention is that I had just read down through the verses. And that was coming in at the tail end of what Paul was saying. Because when our, our funds are low and we were, our wants are high, we quote it, my God shall supply. But we forget sometimes to check the cause for the verse and why it's there. Because if you backtrack just a little bit, you'll read that, that Paul... He said, he said, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphrodites the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God, that the people had given of what they had to Paul's need. And if you back up, this wasn't the first time. Verse 15 said, now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. Everybody's kind of, oh, Paul. <laughs> Good luck, Paul. Got to get my Big Mac. I'm going to go and make sure there's something off the shelves under the Christmas tree. Good luck, Paul. He said, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire that I may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of the past. So here we are. We're back into the verse. So we, he said, so Paul is saying, you responded, Philippi, you responded greatly to the need I had. You responded to the call to give to missions. They responded. Where's my card? They responded. Now, this is, I'm not going to get pushy. Don't worry. We've never been pushy. But Philippi, 
Everyone else, let the card go. But Philippi said, hang on. We got a responsibility to the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. We may not see it today, but you're the conduit that connects the world full of need with the God of supply. It flows. It flows through this. If I had thought quicker, I would have... I would have had a chain here in one of those little links. Pastor Matt and I were talking. I told him a little bit where, where I was going in the message this morning. He said, he said, I didn't realize I was reading from my, my general licensing. And he said, one of the books made this statement. It said, without the question, most of the New Testament is actually an invitation to participate in an offering for missions. To participate in an offering because the gospel it needs wheels to get to where it's going to go. And we're the wheels. We're the one. We're the conduit. We're, we're the connection. If, if it's a supply chain issue, which we, and we're going to hear a lot about, I think, in the next few weeks in this. If it's a supply chain issue, you are the missing link that connects the need to the supply. You're the one that bridges the gap. And the God of supply meets the world full of need and you stand in the middle ccc thank you for giving to great need and great commission cause thank you for that but our job isn't finished yet because we still have a world that's desperately in need and we still have a god of great supply and from what i read in this verse it's not a i'm not slapping anybody down i'm just saying that if we want to live in the fulfillment of God meeting the need, if we want to live in that place, but my God shall supply, guess what? Give to mission. And then Paul said, I'm full. I got it. I, I'm, I'm blessed. I've got, I'm blessed. I've got what you gave me. But their gifts left a lack on their side. But in that moment, they get a hold of the God of supply. And God says, but my God shall supply all of your need. I, I gave and now I'm left with need. But don't worry, I'm connected to the God that's full of supply. Don't worry, I'm not going to lose out. Don't worry, I'm not missing out. I've got a hold of the God that's full of supply. I'm just a conduit that he can get to a world full of need. God use me God use me Paul if anybody could preach it he could preach it but I like it it's a conjunction but it makes a statement uh, he said you may be in need right now but my God shall supply all your need he it was personal Paul said is my God my God shall it's not just somebody God's gonna step to the plate it's gonna show up you just give a little bit and watch what God does because if he can trust you with a little he can trust you with a lot and if you turn it into the kingdom and if you turn it into the commission God is going to release blessing through your life come on Paul didn't have a problem saying it he said I am full I, I know that he was probably speaking more spiritually than I am but Paul said my God shall 
supply. I watched him do it over and over again. I'm a testimony about what God could do. I'm a testimony that if you just release it out of this hand, God will put it back in this hand. I'm a testimony that if I if I just turn it into the kingdom, it's going to come back to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If I just release that talent, watch what God is going to do with it. If I just give it, God will bless it. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I wish we'd just take the extra hour of rest we got and turn it into praise for a moment. Help us this morning. Help us this morning. You're the one. You're the conduit. You're the link. You connect the need with the supply today. God may use a missionary in Guatemala. God may use a missionary in Brazil. God may use a home missionary in New York, Boston, Metro Missions global missions we're going to talk about it tonight but brother Mark Brown he was consumed with a burden not just because he saw the many lights of great cities but the small towns in his region in his area compelled him compelled him to go and walk out this great commission calling we want to bless them tonight. Come ready. Come ready. Don't come on. Don't stay home tonight. Pastor, pastor's going to preach to us. It's going to be phenomenal, but there's going to be a release of burden in this room today. And you say, well, why? Why would why would people get one of the questions I've been we've been reading? I hope you've been tracking what's happening in Haiti with 17 missionaries and Canadian and Americans. people, some of their question is why? Why would people go and do that? Why would they go into a dangerous region? Why would they go into danger area? Why would they do that? I'll tell you why. Because the great commission is greater. It's we could call it the greater commission. The commission is greater than the conflict. The, the commission is greater. It, it's compelling. It's pushing it. And if people have a mission's heart, then they can't sit idly by. Paul, what are you doing? You've been through shipwreck. I, I got a missionary journey. I can't stop here. I, I've got a God of supply and a world full of need, and I've got to go. Paul was going to places that didn't have churches. They had synagogues. So he'd start there and he'd preach and then he'd move to the Gentiles and he'd begin to preach to them and God would show up and there'd be revival or there'd be riot but something would happen he wouldn't stop he couldn't stop in the jail cell in the prison house his praise would go up he couldn't why? because the commission was greater the call didn't stop coming because the world is still full of people in need ah Dad, 
Macedonian call never stopped echoing in Paul's ears. The book's on my night table. Right now, Bill Dross, the Pentecost, founded in a thrift store in PEI. Reading through that book, his life story, his move into missions, responsibility, the, the, the challenges that showed up on Columbia, people that were martyred in lifetimes just previous to ours, martyred because of their stand for Christ, because they were a part of the church that Brother Dross was pushing and working out in Columbia. Bill Dross, the Pentecost, why? Why would you go? Why would you stay? Why would you stay? The greater commission. The greater need. For the greater God. Someone has got to connect a world of need to a God of supply. Someone has got to, and we're, come on, I, the danger is that we are sitting in the softest generation that has ever lived. Stop, Jack. Because I'll have to live what I preach. But I can't help but when I, stories of Sister Shalom echo in my ears, and she said, we didn't have a luxury liner that we went went over to the Middle East on. We, we, we didn't have a luxury liner to get to India on. We got on a container ship with a few crewmen and we all got seasick. Sister Sean, why didn't you come back? Call this crater. The commission. The need has got to meet the God of supply. Come on, read through Sister Georgine Shalm. Her book, Alan, was away. Bomb blasts, reaching into Islamic nations, spiritual strongholds, struggles against demonic oppression. Sister Shalm, why didn't you come home? supply I could go on I have pages brother Larson digging his own wife's grave buries her in the mission field brother Larson why didn't you come home
brother Demerchant. Thousands of sons in the gospel. And his son passes away from cancer. Brother Demerchant, isn't it time to turn in the towel? You're aging. You're getting older. No, I can't. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Demerchant, just come home, just come home. No. No doubt he's the God of supply. My God shall supply. And I'm celebrating everything that Pastor said this morning. I rejoice. I know it comes from a heart of sacrifice in this room. I know it does. And you say, isn't that enough? I just know that if we release what God has placed in our hand, then he will release it to a world that's in need. I'm not... We need to celebrate everything that we have given. We need to celebrate it personally. You need to celebrate it with your family. You need to, you need to calculate and rejoice about what you've been able to do in kingdom purpose. You need to do that. But as the burden of this message rested on my spirit today, I was not nearly as concerned about what I've given as I am with what I've got left. I could have given more. I could have. I should have. And we sit this morning in a three by seven card. Connects the link between need and supply. And in 2021, 11.30. God has said, I'm just looking for somebody that'll be, that'll be one that will give. Philippi, are you in the room? A Philippian church gave, but no one else did. I'm sorry. I really am. stand together with me. I'm sorry if I've ever led in a way that I didn't give what I needed to give. I'm sorry for doubting God sometimes. 
I know that we we are blessed with what we have because we have been who we have been. But that that great commission calls today. The great need. The Corneliuses that are waiting. God of all abundant supply has placed the greatest confidence in church, this church, in this day with the greatest commission to a world full of greatest need. Not because he miscalculated, but because he knew somebody was going to respond to the great mission. If you haven't watched it, our general conference, Jim Blackshear, preached a message called Nine Bucks and a Burden. I encourage you to watch it. I encourage you to be here in service tonight. I encourage you to open your eyes to the field that's white already to harvest. I encourage you to take, take stock, take inventory. Pastor Wilbur preached a message years ago, gave us all stickers, temporary and eternal. You need to go through some things in life and say it's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's eternal. It's eternal. I'm investing in the eternal. I'm investing in the kingdom. I'm investing in souls investing in spite of in spite of common sense I'm <laughs> I'm finished would you bow your heads together with me we're gonna pray but if you're with your family would you I mean would you huddle would you just create a spiritual huddle for a moment this morning God's wanting to move, and God moves. From vessel to vessel. Jesus. God, the responsibility, the weight of this trust that you have released in our lives. I ask that you'd let it settle in our spirit today. On this mission weekend, I, I hope we haven't pushed too hard, I ask. But God, this burden, thank you for trusting us with it today. I thank you for the kingdom connections you have privileged us to be a part of. Of the people that give of their lives to be your hand that reaches around the world. I thank you for that. I thank you for this local church that embraces the responsibility to commit to giving into this kingdom. It's bigger than us. It doesn't stay here. But God, I'm praying that you would multiply and bless every penny. God, every dollar that's given, I ask that you would allow it to represent lives that are one, 
in the eternal purpose and plan that you have, there will be, there will be a bride that has made herself ready. You see it in that book of Revelation. But God, you said as every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And God, whatever we can do to ensure that we include everybody, would you compel us to do it? We trust you. We serve you. We thank you for blessing in our lives today. God, would you put a little bit of that mission spirit in hearts and families? God, would you put a little bit of that? Brother DeMerchant in us, would you, would you put some of whatever you put in Sister Shalm in us, Brother Robin and Brother Herod? God, would you bless us with some of that mission-minded mentality that sees the cause for what it is. It's greater. Would you let that rest in this room? We need to pray out loud right now. We need to play, pray that God would impact your home, your life, your family. You need to pray. You need to pray that, that the mission is greater, that the giving is, come on, it becomes insignificant it becomes a part of the process it it becomes part of what you want to do my God shall supply but I want to be a part of that that supply chain God would you use someone today would you use us in your kingdom plan would you use us in your kingdom purpose God I am praying blessing I am praying blessing for people that work in the marketplace I'm praying for raises. I'm praying, God, for outpouring, but not so we can bless ourselves, but God, we can complete and compel the Great Commission forward. That's what we're asking about today, God. I'm praying for homes. We are asking Jesus that you would use lives. Give us a new heart, God. Change us. Transform us in a world that's got, God, lack mentality, in a world that's got a poverty mentality when everybody's looking for what they're missing. I ask God that you would begin to get us focused on where we can be giving. God, I'm praying for that today. Allow us. God, allow us to be that conduit. Let us see it. God, let us see what you want us to become. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you lift both hands? God's Spirit's still moving in the room for a moment. We need the Holy Ghost. God can pour the Holy Ghost out in this place. I that's just the kind of God that he is. He's the God that gives the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's the giver. We're just connecting to the giver this morning. We're connecting to the one that's abundantly able. We're connecting to the God of great supply. We're connecting to the Jehovah Jireh, the God that can provide. We're connecting to that this morning. But we're not connecting just to fill ourselves up. We're connecting so we can flow into the world around us. We're connecting because this world needs what we've got. We're connecting Jesus. Come on, somebody get connected this morning. Somebody get a hold. Get a hold of what God's releasing in the room today. Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it because he 
the enemy is going to want to steal the seed the moment you walk out the door. But somebody get a hold of it and push it deep in your spirit and let, let the world know, God, use me. God, use me in this day. Use me in this age. Use me in the, come on, 2021 in a world that's got a pandemic problem. You've got supply, God. You are. You're in control.